0: i just sent ash a direct message so maybe that'll that'll do it
1: better than the indirect messages we usually send
0: yeah better than the subtweet right someone's not on the podcast right now
1: so you can climb off my back Whoa. this is episode 181 of the insert credit show a relentlessly topic-driven video game podcast where i will never ever ask my panel of experts what they've been playing lately nice thank you thank you <laughs> each week they must contend with an onslaught of 10 topics to be addressed in no less than six minutes each or be admonished by the sound of a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Chaffee, and one of my stranger musical behaviors is that when I get a song stuck in my head, I listen to every cover of that song I can find until I'm sick of the idea of it.
2: Hmm. Uh, my name is Frank Zafaldi, and one of my stranger musical behaviors, um, whatever the last song is that I've heard, it's just, and it's on a constant loop in my brain for the next maybe couple hours. It kind of annoys my wife if it's a really bad song, because I'll just kind of... It and sing it and stuff without thinking it takes a while for it to leave bram is what i'm saying
0: stranger musicals huh mm-hmm. um i don't know if I, well, i'm brandon sheffield hello thanks and uh i don't know what strange music. i mean i this isn't strange what people do all the time but i i definitely um seeing actions that i'm doing to uh along with popular tunes um like like my uh, mass effect Story that I have recounted multiple times and will not do so again, but uh, <laughs> Iron Maiden has a song called Seventh Son, or Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son is the chorus. They sing it a lot, and I was watching the movie The Seventh Sign, which by the way is not good and you should not watch, but it's got Demi Moore trying not to give birth to the Antichrist, sort of. But of course, every time I was thinking about that movie or looking at the little preview, I would just seventh sign of a seventh sign and and that song would just like repeat and loop over and over in my head
1: uh, i think that qualifies uh, joining us again this week is our correspondent from the front lines of whatever video game blog journalism is today ash parish is here
3: hi <laughs> god that makes it sound so like salacious and not
1: <laughs> i don't know it's it's different yeah, I actually like blog journalism. Do you have any strange musical behaviors you'd like to share with the class?
3: So I used to have this thing that I did when I was a kid where I would play a song in my head and I would doodle it. And I every little, mm. it, it wouldn't be like a, like a stick figure or anything like that, but it would just be a, a series of squiggles that would correspond to like musical cues. So like every note was like a squiggle line. And then I would play the song again and try to follow the squiggles back to make sure it all like fit. That's my weird musical habit. Haven't done that's that some, in a while now.
0: That's some synesthesia type stuff going on
3: there. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I get older, I realize all the behaviors I had as a child. It's like, I probably have some undiagnosed mental health thing that I probably should get
1: addressed. Well, you're not the only one to do that. I remember reading about this local TV station that before MTV, like all they would play was songs while somebody doodled something live to it on the screen. that sounds incredible. Yeah, so you could have gotten a job doing that in the 1970s.
3: I was like a pre-fetus before that. You missed your chance. I did.
1: (laughs) You haven't missed your chance to answer these 10 questions, though. Our first one comes from our previous winner uh, before our last three special episodes in a row, Heather Alexandra. Hmm. Heather asks, potions. Many games have them. Many heroes need them. What game do you think has the most delicious potions? And what do you think they taste like?
0: Oh. Tasty ones, huh? I, I was going to think about best uses of potions or something such as uh, healer only lives twice where you're just buffing a tank the whole time. And that's pretty fun. But I don't know how delicious those potions are.
1: I imagine they mostly taste like cherry. Could be. So in the
2: um, localization of the original fantasy star for the master system, the potion names uh, were oh, yeah. changed to, I believe, hamburger and soda. Yes. Mm. I like those things. <laughs>
0: I don't really like those things myself
2: i only (laughs) like the hamburger part i'm not a soda guy but i know you're not a hamburger part guy yeah yeah
3: heck i actually have like the canon answer to this it's bayonetta because her potions are all lollipops that she's always oh yeah that's right
2: Mm. it's hard to beat that are they tasty lollipops or are they medicinal lollipops
3: well some of them are like made out of like baked gecko so i don't know how good that might be But I would like to imagine of all the health things that you can consume that taste good. Bayonetta is probably in the top. All
1: right. In my experience, most lollipops just kind of taste like hard sugar. Right. So the gecko one
2: might be fine. Exactly. Yeah. If the gecko one tastes like sugar, that seems all right. Yes. Sugary gecko. The meat in Bonk and uh, Bonk's revenge looks pretty pretty good.
1: We're being pretty liberal with the use of the word potion now, aren't we? Yes,
0: that's right. My first thought was the Castlevania attack post in the holy water.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like the idea that holy water is blue. Got to be like a blue raspberry or something, unless it's chlorinated. I don't like that idea.
3: I don't like the idea of holy water because I used to go to Catholic school, and I'm pretty sure that's what you, like, touched. Like, you touched a sponge before you went into, like, the church and did the sign of the cross, and, like, everybody's finger... Like, it was a wet sponge with, I assume... <laughs> holy water that you like did the sign of the cross with and just like bungee people water doesn't sound very appealing
0: that's got to be uh really moldy smelling after about (laughs) five seconds god catholicism what won't they think of next
1: a way to drive up their membership
0: numbers (laughs) (laughs) you tried
2: not very well not very successfully oh potions i don't have a better answer than the burgers so you're on your own
0: (laughs) you don't get to see a lot of the the like the physical manifestations of the potions in like final fantasy games for right. example i think that you might see them in the shop or something wait aren't there some good potions in um in yakuza those are all real world items so you can get like oh, a yeah. turmeric drink yeah to yeah, like yeah. get rid of your hangover or whatever
2: so is the food potions or is that food oh you're talking about like from the vending machines those are the potions
0: yeah, yeah. from the vending machines or Got the uh, pharmacy
2: yeah 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 okay Yes, there's like a good, good-looking lemon drink or something, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Get a CC lemon.
2: That sounds all right.
0: Kind of cheating though, because that's a real-world product.
1: <laughs> On a similar vein, you got to imagine the Final Fantasy potions taste like the ones that they released, like to promote Final Fantasy Twelve. Yeah, at least ideally, that's that was the idea behind them.
3: Didn't Final Fantasy maybe for Advent children like release a special line of balls? drinks remember balls i wasn't really
0: certain that that had happened but i i had this vague thought in my mind that i was about to vocalize which is i feel like a good tasting potion would taste like that balls drink and maybe that's why i think that because i got successfully marketed to
1: yeah like a good potion would be like a gatorade maybe
0: do you remember what that tasted like it was kind of it almost tasted like ramen
3: I thought that was the idea, that it was supposed to be like Americanized ramen.
0: The real idea was that it was an energy drink. It had guarana or whatever in it,
3: right? I think you're right. It's been a long time since I've been in college drinking balls <laughs> at the anime club.
0: Yeah. Was, uh, the uh, Final
1: Fantasy wiki says that the potions were very sweet, but at the same time possessed a bitter herbal aftertaste.
0: Mm, nice. That's uh, how they hid all the harsh chemicals they used to make it. Right. Well, I think Final Fantasy potions should taste like balls. Balls with a W. So mm-hmm. let's say that, that.
1: Okay, we have our canonical answer. I guess that's what potions should taste like, but yes. uh, the best ones are burgers and sodas. Right. Our next question is this. What's something that you never want to see in a video game ever again? Hmm. Besides, like, gross real-world
2: stuff? Like, we, yeah. uh, should we just limit this to video game yes, stuff? Yeah, let's okay.
1: limit this to video gamey video game stuff. Okay.
0: Double jumps. I don't really? actually truly believe that but um i feel like double jumps are i feel like double jumps are silly it's That's it's great. like i kind of like them but on the other hand it's like why what what is the point of them other than mechanically i want to stop you from being well it's okay in like a, a metroidvania where it's like i I don't want you to be able to get up to that platform but now i do but in, a lot of platform games just have it and it's like why you don't need it just be a a big jump. What is the point of it being twice? It's All just right. more sit, busy sit, work.
2: Sit down, Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like sometimes just the little hop will make you get around faster, and then the double jump is when you need it. You could just I hold the button. I think they're great. Just hold the button to jump high. That's not accurate. I don't know. What if
1: you need to go two directions in one jump? Mm-hmm. Move. You can move. Move. Your... Holding is never hold cool for
2: air. jumping. Holding's whatever. Yeah, that's floaty. Yeah. So Brandon's yeah, wrong. I guess- I got right. some floaty,
0: floaty jump criticism for Gunsport, which we're going to fix anyway, so maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong all the way.
2: I'm going through all the stereotypes in my head, like fetch quests, and and uh, you know, I, I can't think of the term, but when you have, have to lead someone around and they're really weak. Escort oh. mission. Escort, Escort mission, yeah. That's
0: definitely those should go away forever.
2: Well, I'm thinking about them, and it's like the contrarian part of me is like, no, I want someone to make those good. Right. Maybe I'm not suited to answer this question because <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather someone like take a bad idea and make it good and blow my mind
0: that game mamote night which we mentioned on the xbox 360 episode that game is essentially only escort missions because you have a princess who can't do much of anything but can heal you um but who's very vulnerable to attacks and you have to like push her around the the field of play to keep her safe.
3: That's also Ico, isn't it?
0: Ico is all escort mission, but I feel like the escort mission stuff is sort of the weakest part of it. She's like off getting distracted by stuff and wandering into shadow territory and you gotta pull her by the hand. I don't know.
2: But I, I think what makes it work is that, you know, the the AI on her is so strange that she actually comes across as a person. Yeah, I see like that. Like, she'll, she'll wander around and do something weird, and I'm pretty sure most of it is bugs, but
1: it kind of works yeah as opposed to when they tried to implement that same behavior in the last guardian yeah
2: yeah (laughs) it's like if it's a monster it doesn't work somehow i don't know but (laughs) no i don't know like when he would just get confused and start screaming for me or whatever it's like oh you're a dumb animal like it kind of worked
0: yeah i think it it sort of works it's just um depends on your capacity for frustration it's miserable You, you got one like those two are actually probably the some of the better examples. But in, in most like tactics games or action games, you'll just have a very vulnerable person who is like, I'm going to run straight into danger wherever I can find it Help! It's massively frustrating. Just let that person go. Can't save everybody.
2: Um, OK, how about in JRPGs, the uh, the fake out fight where you have to lose? Oh, yeah. You lose, all, you lose all your stuff because you're trying to win. Um,
1: I don't know if anyone does that anymore, but they shouldn't. But the fact that that even exists kind of puts in the back of your head every time uh, you go to fight a boss in a game. Like, is this a fake fight? Right. It's kind of poisoned the whole well. I agree.
2: The
0: Yakuza like a dragon fight against a certain character toward the middle end where it's it's just like rocketed up in difficulty. You sort of think, okay, I just did The entire, like, grinding tower that they gave me. This shouldn't be difficult. Am I supposed to lose? (laughs) But the answer was no. (laughs) It's just hard. It's just really hard.
1: That's kind of the same thing. But yeah, the idea that uh, putting an unwinnable challenge in front of you is something that has been done and doesn't need to be done again.
2: Yes, Yes. it's okay if it's telegraphed well, I think. I think that's fine. Like, you you can do unwinnable things for the sake of your narrative still feeling interactive even if you're taking some agency away but uh it just it has to be
1: clear that you're supposed to lose this next question kind of ties into what we were talking about with eco what have been the greatest achievements of progress in the history of video game ai development
0: Hmm. well being able to pathfind around objects certainly is one of the big ones because Mm -hmm. that, that did not used to be possible and they do a pretty good job but I love watching an AI character just book it into a wall and just mm-hmm. like run into na- I I love it. So Have I hope fun. we don't fix all the problems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what were the games that like implemented that well originally? The pathfinding behaviors?
0: Man, I don't know. Really, in the Xbox 360 era, when they start to get it, like Gears of War and stuff, they would have enemies that would choose to, like, mantle over cover or get behind cover or walk around it. They could walk up to an area that had, like, four different things they could do with it, and they would do several of those things in ways that didn't make them feel entirely robotic. Uncharted did that also. Um, I think it was really that era when it started to be good. Otherwise, before that, you were just sort of like, I know exactly where this guy is going to be or what exact path he's going to take. They used to hard code those things like in earlier Metal Gear Solid type games. They would just have enemies uh, walking around on a certain path. They had a loop that was programmed for them.
1: Pac-Man ghost mathematics.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then toward the 360 era, you get these enemies that are making little Tiny little choices and then not clipping into the environment while they're doing it. Quite impressive, I would say. We had a lot of articles about that stuff back in the Game Developer Magazine days when it was really starting to come together.
1: I'm surprised it's that recent. Like, I would have expected uh, some leaps of behavior and implementation a little earlier than the 360 era.
0: Oh, I mean, there have been. like Sure, the, yeah. Those Civilization games have a lot of sophisticated stuff going on and... I was less talking about the pioneering efforts and more when it became ubiquitous.
2: Yeah, you're asking for like biggest
1: leaps. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about the landmark games in AI development.
3: I don't necessarily know if it's a landmark game, but I've been recently watching a Twitch streamer play this Amiga game called uh, "Enemy Tempest of Violence" or it's something "Tempest of Violence" or whatever. And there are la- levels later in the game where you have to like rescue these aliens, and they'll fight for you. And what they'll do is like after you, like the main character, will like shoot it, an enemy alien, and that dead alien will drop their gun. These aliens that are following you will pick up the gun and start like shooting enemies as you encounter them across the maps and this is like an amiga game from 1997 so i was like super impressed to see like oh they're smart enough to like pick up a gun and start shooting things i didn't expect something like that in a
1: game that old right that's the kind of stuff i'm looking for here
3: yeah uh i guess
0: like in final fight enemies could pick up the same weapons that you could also pick up. And that was a big innovation back in those days, probably around the same era, I guess, as this enemy violence fighter thing. What, what was that yeah. game
3: called? You just said enemy tempest of violence.
2: Yeah, there we go. Well, I mean, the, the weapon pickup, I, I think of River City Ransom before Final Fight, but I don't know if the ones before the other, honestly, they kind of were the same time.
0: Yeah, that was one of the key things. And there's the enemy AI in XCOM was one of the big ones. I guess people talked about because they had line of sight and they could they could find you and come after you, which hadn't really been done so clearly before. I think.
3: I'll tell you an AI that isn't very advanced. All of your followers in Oddworld, those yeah. guys are dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Those> guys. <laughs> There's a rotating saw blade. You shouldn't run right into it. But now I have to tell them to stop and start. Otherwise, they'll just stand there like idiots and get crushed to death.
0: Yeah. In a game like Lemmings, that was kind of a feature. But in Oddworld, it felt like just figure it out, guys. Come on. Right. You don't want to kill yourselves.
3: That did work because there were portions of the older Oddworld games where the people you were saving were blind. So they couldn't see. So that made sense. But like these guys are like fully sighted. Like, come on, guys, you can see this. Don't be dumb. (laughs)
1: <laughs> at the very least they're odd
3: i feel like
0: i would need to do a whole whole research project to actually get the good answers to this one yeah yeah
2: it's not I, I guess i don't think that much about ai which is good right like that means the ai is good if i'm not right thinking about it so
3: no that means it can operate in the shadows where you're not paying attention
1: Ooh, they could be after me right now oh, now we're getting into left for dead territory
0: yeah there's a, a lot of ai in the nanobots that i got in my bloodstream after getting my vaccine
1: nice and 5g2 which officially released video games were most obviously created as barely altered fan fiction of other video games
3: (laughs) every metroidvania ever yeah
1: Yeah, that's true
0: (laughs) yeah
3: well that's a tough one
0: yeah it's funny when you get like a metroid like game like axiom verge and everyone calls it a metroidvania and it's like but there's no
3: vania it's just a metroid
1: (laughs) It's just the Metroid.
3: The obvious answer is Bayonetta, which is like loving fan fiction, but like better than Devil May Cry. Right. It's like you you wanted to fix Devil May Cry and make it better. So Bayonetta
1: became a thing. Does it count as fan fiction if like the same people are involved?
3: Yes, I think so.
2: Yeah. I mean, like any any Spielberg movie in the last like 10 years is Spielberg fan
1: fiction. I guess. Yeah. I mean, where's the line between fan fiction and just reiterating your own ideas?
0: Well, like with Spielberg, for example, he's doing himself, but worse, right? I think that Bayonetta counts because it feels like fan fiction, <laughs> like get a lady who makes her clothes out of hair and, and they want to remind you she's naked all the time. Just to make sure you know that definitely naked. She just has hair clothes that feels like fan fiction, even if it's made by the same people with a similar kind of idea.
2: I feel like a lot of like, kickstarter spiritual successor things are mm-hmm. fan fictiony yeah um ukulele right but does that count if it's the same people trying to relive right. their past i don't know
3: yeah like it's fantasia fan fiction the apple arcade game from the final fantasy guy
2: yeah 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 uh
0: I yeah know. i think that's i feel like that's in a different zone because it's like it's not really taking the express tenets of final Fantasy and. Iterating on those, it's like trying to go in a different direction. I almost feel like that game is trying to differentiate itself from its past work.
2: I mean, where where my mind is going, and I just can't find specific examples, is, you know, in the sort of 80s and 90s, I imagine there's a lot of games, like probably out of Japan based on anime, but not officially. Like, there's got to be a lot of stuff like that where it's like, oh, clearly you just really like this anime and you made a game that's like it, but it's not licensed. Mm. Well, there's directly
0: doujin games. Sure. That that are all like, here are all the characters I like from a visual novel. Now they're fighting each other in this fighting game. Melty Blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Melty Blood is one. It's a great name. The Toho games are basically like fan fiction for an anime that didn't exist. And now there's a cottage industry around Toho games where people make fan fictions of
2: Toho games.
3: Also, every I want to be the game. Yeah. Like, I want to be the guy and all that shit.
2: Well, is that fan fiction or is that riffing on an idea?
3: Isn't that what fan fiction is?
2: I don't know. I guess so. I think think of it as IP, though, not gameplay, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, but this is like it's playing with your expectations of playing a mario game so i feel like it it counts it's it's not the characters but it's the mechanics that mm. it's a fan fiction of all right i'll buy Freedom it and planet it that's a sonic fan mm. fiction
2: for sure yeah uh, yeah absolutely that's a really good answer actually is a
0: really good game is it i never i bought it but then i just never played the, the its proximity to sonic fan fiction was <laughs> so clear that i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like this i want to buy it but i just don't know it's good
3: i enjoy it I enjoy watching less plays of it. It's very fun, and it seems like better than well, Sonic I don't in like some regards. Fun. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I think I got it. It's a uh, Project Cross Zone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So is uh, all of those Tatsunoko versus Capcom, X Men versus Street Fighter? Did, are those?
1: I think Project Cross Zone is one step further because there's a lot of plot. And a lot of like character interactions involved. And that's kind of a cornerstone to fan fiction. Oh,
0: yeah, that's true. It's like, what if what if Ryu and I don't know, like Sonic, what if they met and had to have a conversation?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. OK, I think Track that's with the good.
3: Tatsunoko versus Capcom games because crossovers are a tenant of fan fiction, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the thing. The first fan fiction I ever wrote was Inuyasha and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy crossover.
0: <laughs> Did they uh, trim his his ear hairs?
3: I don't remember actually what I had them do, but it was definitely Inuyasha that was getting like a queer eye makeover.
0: Nice. Was it so that he could confess to Kagome? Is that what her name is? Who's Yeah, who's that's the... her name.
3: I I, wow. I don't remember anything that I wrote specifically, but I just remember the premise. It was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and Inuyasha, which should laser pinpoint where in the human history of timeline I was writing this. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is carbon dated right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, today we are going to help design the perfect romanceable alien NPC in a sci fi role playing game. The key is that they have to appear distinctly inhuman while still being attractive. You want us to design this visually with our voices? Yeah, we're going to figure out (laughs) how to create a romanceable alien NPC in a Western role playing game.
3: Just off the bat, I'm really glad that you said they have to look distinctly not human because. I was thinking about this the other day and I'm like, like we don't have to go like super crazy and make them look like Elcor or Volus from like Mass Effect or anything like that, but they cannot
1: look like blue humans. Yeah. They can't be Star Trek green ladies. Yeah.
0: This might get us off on the wrong track, but I I was just watching some Babylon five the other day. Mm -hmm. Who
2: who were you into?
0: Oh, none, none of them. (laughs) Absolutely none of them. I think they're all, uh, unattractive i'm sorry to all of them but um the vampire people oh man I've, I've been watching this show and i don't even remember what they're called the the people with the tall hair um they have six sets of genitalia That's and it's too many uh, it is too many is it- and i think it, they <laughs> may have devised it just for a joke but they were talking about like one of them was asking a human for advice about women and he's like i've only gotten to one before and she's like you mean first base and he's like no we have we have six okay one is like fine and six is like, wow, it's amazing. So they they just increase the number of genitals they use with intimacy. <laughs> I thought that awesome. was pretty, that was qu- quite something. So I
3: have so many friends trying to get me into B5 and that might be the thing that does it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, you can skip the first entire season. Just throw it in the trash because it's bad. And you can start with season two, which is okay. And then it gets fine. By season three, it's not a great show. it's very old. It had some cool ideas for that time, but it's old, but it's all right um, I guess anyway, what I'm asking aliens. is
1: how do you make a video game character sexy without relying on their attractiveness?
2: Yeah, I know. Um, we know what you want um right. <laughs> I, I i I just I mean people are real horny for that Resident Evil vampire, which we've talked about on a past show, I believe, so I'm sure. just immediately going to like tall with heels like that's not human it's it's just tall with heels so i think we can get away with that
0: well so my thinking is humans like round shapes when when it comes to sexiness
2: well like mermaids are sexy right
0: yeah we like roundness we like sleekness so i think if if this creature it's got some globe-like (laughs) <laughs> structures on it okay, somewhere so i'm
1: picturing an orb now i'm into it's not,
0: it it's not an orb though it has it like has to asthma. have <laughs> it, it has to have distinct blob sections but not um in the way that gets that what, what's that called trip tryptophania Tryp- whatever tryptophobia, tryptophobia trypophobia there we go yeah Whoa. i don't even know what i was talking about i think tryptophan is like a a drug that you that's can that's a thing, that's in a thing a doctor
2: about tryptophan oh i yeah. see that's right it's a thing that they say makes you sleepy from eating turkey but really you'd have to eat like 30 turkeys
1: for it to affect you right so my thanksgiving
2: yeah with with what brandon's saying it could have something like an hourglass figure in a dress except that it's not a dress it's just what they look like
1: oh so they're literally hourglass shaped
3: you're all wrong okay if you want to make your alien sexy, the first thing you have to do is flange their voice. You have mm. to give them a sexy voice, like something like, uh, mm-hmm. that makes their voice sound like really gravelly. That is the number one thing that you have to do in okay. order to make your alien sexy. Okay.
0: One of the problems with designing sexiness here is going to be that I may go in the complete opposite direction of everybody. Because anytime there's like a sexy voice in a movie or something... Or in a video game, I, I mute it immediately because...
3: It, <laughs> it, Does it make you uncomfortable?
0: It makes me feel gross. It hits on really close to uh, misophonia. Notes like ASMR type stuff is, mm-hmm. is like sticking needles into my brain.
1: Is it like the breathiness?
0: It's the breathiness and it's pseudo whispering that makes the mouth sounds extra wet oh. and stuff. I can't do it. However, I think that what I should do is if I think that it's not sexy then it should go into this because then most people will like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what,
2: like facial hair you probably don't like?
3: No. <laughs> no. We're, we're making these aliens. Well, I think we um, all
1: agree on that. So what's yeah, that? Okay, These are aliens. Aliens aren't hair. typically very hairy.
3: Right. So we have the voice. Yeah. They have to have some kind of like appendages that can hug you.
0: Yeah. Yes. So
3: it has to be that. They have to be at least human size.
0: And I feel like these days people are super into abs would you agree like in video games
3: so. i don't think so honestly no okay no right. it has to have like appendages to hold you with it has to be human size it has to have a sexy voice maybe we can't like get too crazy with like facial like which is really hard to describe because we haven't like described like the the makeup of this thing it has to be like bipedal it has to have like a head at the top of its body so i, I it know it has we're...
0: to be bipedal
3: i think it does because okay. then then if it's not bipedal then we're getting into like weird, like bestiality kind of things. Yeah. Like, I don't are we think... getting
0: too humanoid?
3: I, true, it is true, but they they in order to be like the perfect alien boyfriend, there has to be some humanoid features.
1: Yeah, I would say maximum three legs, but it could be le- any number less than that.
0: I think it also needs to have like some suggestion of an opening. Like it could have like a <laughs> a, 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 a tentacle arm. No, 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 no. no. It's we're got, done. Like a. buzzer 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 Buzzer. okay
1: okay we're gonna be right back after a quick cold shower
0: my dog has so many barks to do today
1: does pocket have some kind of
0: quota yeah he minimum number of barks every day that he's got bpbs pocket yeah pocket that's
3: adorable
0: he's got a very shrieky bark which is uh not what i signed on (laughs)
1: Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to dive back into the Dirt Bag. Every week, I take one question submitted to Patreon.com/slash/Insert Credit from our patrons, where you listening right now can navigate over to and uh, subscribe at any level to get access to episodes one day early, uh, access to that uh, aforementioned spreadsheet where you can submit questions. And regular bonus content, uh, such as uh, snippets taken from off-air conversations, some uh, lists and links to old articles from our uh, history, uh, other treats like that. You never know what's coming next down that pipeline. Uh, This question comes from Mox Bagel, who asks, how would you redesign pinball to be more of a 30-minute game experience instead of a three-minute game experience?
2: Mm, that's a that's actually a really good question for a dirtbag yeah slow
1: motion
3: wait <laughs> do we mean pinball the window xp game or like is there another pinball
1: the concept <laughs>
3: the, the, the windows xp game is already a 30 minute game like well, i don't go. know about y'all but before like i didn't grow up with computer gaming like i didn't have you know mist or anything like that like that just wasn't i think that's the same
2: of of all of us right mm-hmm. yeah yeah
3: yeah so like that game and spider solitaire were like the games you played on your computer and i would drop hours in pinball <laughs> and that's actually how we learned how to play like oh this is how people play pinball this is how you're supposed to do it like that it's already a 30 minute game i don't i don't think you should change anything
1: so you make it into a 30 minute game by getting good
0: i assume they're talking about an individual ball one mm-hmm. ball of pinball is about three minutes but in my experience, oh, I, th- I think they're like saying dancing. a game.
2: Yeah, they're saying like the average person probably going to a pinball game and putting in the quarters and pressing start is probably average three minutes.
0: I think there's been a lot of attempts at doing that, which is like pinball quest is one. Any kind of fantasy pinball game, such as Devil's Crush, uh, recently Demon's Tilt, which is clearly a Devil's Crush homage, uh, Alien Crush. There is fantastic pinball for Saturn and Pokemon
1: pinball, Sonic spinball. Oh, Sonic God, Spinball.
3: Sonic Spinball. What a game. I would love
0: to do a Sonic, a new Sonic Spinball. The only real problem with Sonic Spinball is that they had to make it in, like, four months. Right. The maps are completely... They're just, like, all over the place. They're not laid out in a rational manner. They were like, we not... have to finish this game.
2: And they did it, which is amazing. Well, and the, the performance is really poor, I believe because they wrote the game in C, as opposed to, like, pure assembly yeah. um so uh if anyone out there was working at sti at the time you got the source send it over we might be able to get it running properly on mm. uh, on something oh yeah that would be cool what's the question oh pinball right um <laughs> metroid prime pinball was pretty good actually i, I thought it. on the ds um as as like a, a long form like pinball sort of adventure but i mean brandon mentioned pinball quest which is an nes pinball game that's you know, kind of a questy thing. I, I hear that mentioned all the time and people talk about how, you know, it's this like pinball RPG adventure thing. It's kind of not. I think people just looked at the screenshots and extrapolated that. It's it's actually not a very good game, but the game that lives in people's heads where it's actually an RPG that you play with with pinball flippers, um, I think that's a good 30-minute experience. Yeah. And the uh, the other answer I'm going to give is... Flipnic, uh, which is uh, something that people really need to play on the PS2.
0: Yeah. Uh, pinball Quest, you know, it is it is true that it's not that good of a game, um, hmm. but it's one of those games that inspired my imagination
2: at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, you, you imagined a, a real Pinball Quest, not yeah. this thing.
0: Yeah. So even at the time as I was playing it, I was like, ah, oh, but what if this was really good? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and imagining what if it was really good was enough to actually get me to continue playing it. That's an interesting
2: perspective. Yeah, like a, like to make a pinball game that lasts thirty minutes. Make one that makes you imagine a better game as you right. play. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, and um, the that, thirty
1: minutes are in your head.
0: God, what's it called that that pinball-like game for Switch that came out? Yeah, it's very good. It's got like a Y in it. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to have to look it up here on the internet um because
2: I want. How do you look up Switch game that has a Y in it? A pinball game for Switch
0: is what okay. I looked at. it spelled across.
1: pinball, but with a Y instead of an I? K- p-
0: pinball. I think, I think pinball? the word island is in it as well. This is frustrating.
2: Is this the game that you imagined while playing Pinball Quest?
0: Uh, Yoku's Island Express is the name of it. You, um, you, you right. oh, it did have A-Y. a Y. It. it had a Y and it had oh. an island in it. Um, it's a game. Was, my next guess was going to be
1: East pinball. It, oh, yeah,
0: I'd play that. I'd play that right now. Actually, that East pinball would work so well because of the uh, the bump attack system where mm-hmm. you hurt, hurt things by running into them. And so now I want to make East pinball. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to do it. It's going to be more like a 30. Okay, hour give
1: me spin. EP credit. Yeah,
0: OK, I will. Um, Yoku's Island Express, though, it's quite, quite good because it's a mix of pinball and a little pachinko stuff and a little just like you know you're floating around and shoots and things but you also have control over the ball a lot of the time like in in the overworld or whatever because you're a um you're like a bug you're like a dung beetle type thing and you're moving this ball around you're just pushing it but then sometimes you have you hit flippers and do that kind of stuff
2: it's it's legitimately very good i actually think a lot of arcade pinball games and you know probably modern home ones as well are, are good at imparting a feeling of of advancing a narrative as you play i'm just thinking of things like you know funhouse that where the the funhouse closes and stuff i'm out of time but what i'm saying is that Mm. uh you can expand on that i think and just not kill the player and it's pretty easy to trick my brain into thinking that i'm accomplishing something playing pinball
1: have you ever played a game that you wished worked a little bit harder to challenge you
2: no I don't think I have either.
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't
2: want to be challenged. No challenges, please. Thanks. I play games on easy. What's up? It's fine. Yeah. Is Twitter is Twitter going to yell at me? What's up? What's up? Come at me.
3: Mm. So I'm playing a game with my partner right now. It takes two. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a very good co-op game. It's fostered a lot of like communication between us that we fail to carry on into our actual relationship. But uh, <laughs> I think that that game could stand to be a little bit more difficult but at the same time i don't want like i want a game to challenge your brain versus like your twitchy you know motor skills you know so uh i think the game strikes that right balance but i think it could be a little bit more difficult in terms of like figuring out how to go through puzzles and things like that
0: what what does it do and how would it be more difficult
3: so it's 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 a co-op game and it's split screen so Um, one person will be given one power and the other person will be giving another power and you Uh, have to figure out how to use your powers together to like progress through whatever. A lot of it is very simple, like, oh, okay, I see what I'm supposed to do, that kind of stuff. But I think it could work a little bit just to ratchet the difficulty just up a little bit. Contrast that to Oddworld, which has somehow like gotten completely away from its like, or origins, which was always a thinking person's game. Like you always had to think about, like, okay, how do I move these people so that they're safe and don't get like exploded or something like that? And it was never about like twitchy, you know, I got a platform precisely in order to make it work. And now with Odd World Soul Storm, it's very tough to say. It, it's become this like very quick, fast, executable, you know, are you a good gamer? Do you have good gamer skill? Like kind of stuff. And I didn't like that. I always preferred to like think about an encounter before I had to do it first. So what I would say is make you think about puzzles a little bit harder. Don't make you have to like execute them like the physical actions you have to do. Don't make that harder. Make the thinking harder.
0: Yeah, I feel that for like tactics games. I don't care about something that's like a damaged sponge or it it can kill all your characters in one hit and stuff. Like that kind of difficulty does not do it for Mm -hmm. me. But having to reason out like in a Shin Megami Tensei game, where it's like, I need to have an even spread of you know attacks and try to line them up in such a way that I will do extra damage and uh, get extra turns and that kind of stuff. I like that. But for, for me, I feel like maybe it's not difficulty that I'm describing, but I want there to be interesting solutions to problems. I don't need them to be like obtuse or hard for me to figure out. Like I started to try to play The Witness because it was free on PS4 and... Mm-hmm. Some of those puzzles are like, well, I clearly I lack the vocabulary to complete this puzzle at this time. And also there were a bunch of things where it was like, okay, I'd have to like draw a graph or I'm sure there's a puzzle I can solve right now, but I have to walk all around this island to find it. And I don't know where it is.
1: I think there's also something to be said for like a game series where the difficulty doesn't go up at all over time. Like there are people who've been fans of Pokemon for 25 years. And every game is exactly as easy as the game you played when you were 10. So Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to maintain that same level of engagement. And yet people do it, I guess, uh, because they get into like the meta multiplayer of it. But there's just this repetitiveness to it that I can't uh, quite get my head around, that you're kind of trying to solve the same logic puzzles that you were solving when you were a child.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the solution to that is not difficulty, but rather give you good reasons to do things. Like in the Yakuza games, the traditional ones with the regular brawling and stuff, there's not a lot of reasons to use all the different types of attacks and things that you can do because the game doesn't really necessitate it. Of course, sometimes when you do make those kinds of things necessary, like you got to hit this person with this kind of um, technique, then it winds up feeling rote in another direction. And it's a really tough balance to get into, but it's definitely, I feel like the Yakuza game battles, I have a lot of thoughts about those where sometimes I'm like, maybe if this were a little more difficult to do, I would be more engaged with it. But then when I like ramp the difficulty up, now it's so demanding on my time that I'm not interested in it in the other direction. It's a question I've been grappling with a lot, difficulty. You'll see one of my answers in our next video game.
2: Ooh quick one for me right under the wires the the late the lego games could use a little more
1: friction absolutely yes <laughs> that's a good one it, literally with one second left to go here we go what are the best liminal spaces in video games
3: find your terms <sighs>
1: oh. you know hallways and such uh, yeah. the spaces between one space and another
2: that's what like all the mist and mist clone games are entirely pretty much right kind uh, of
0: most of the Witness is also liminal space as well as yeah. just like wandering around. I, there's some real good like hangout zones in near Automata. There's there's a little townish place that you can go and there's a little place you can just sit down and listen to music. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, that makes me think that my maybe my favorite liminal spaces are Resident Evil save rooms.
3: That's a good answer because the music in there changes and it's very chill. Yeah, and it's a nice like respite.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay, I can breathe in here. Nothing's going to attack me in here for the most part. You know, and this is a good place for me to sort my inventory out, just combine some herbs. It it just, like, it gives you this this breathing
3: spill. I'm going to say the Mass Effect 1 elevators. Really? You like those? I do, because you get a lot of good dialogue between characters there. Like, you get a lot of good character development. And I think they carried that on into, like, Mass Effect 2, uh, where you would, like, hear news reports or something like that and it would give like character to the world like if your shepherd was like a colony kid or whatever they would like oh there's a statue erected on the your home world and a scholarship fund set up in your name and that kind of stuff and it just fleshed out the world a lot more and and you couldn't go anywhere so you had to hear it and uh a lot of the the good party banter you would get in elevators because it was essentially like a loading zone right mm-hmm. so You had to occupy this time. And so like your different squad mates, depending on how you composed your team, would like talk to each other and they would acknowledge one another and acknowledge their differences. It's where we got the whole like Ashley Williams is a space racist, that kind of stuff. I think that's one of my favorite liminal spaces.
0: That makes me think of Deadly Premonition, which we often bring up where you're driving around in your automobile, listening to York talk about movies and stuff. I like that. That's a good one. The whole. I guess town. a
1: highway is sort of a liminal space or a road. Yeah, because there's
2: not like stuff going on other than you're going to your destination, really. Yeah. The first one I can remember affecting me is I think it's still pretty cool. It's the very end of Mega Man 2. When you're dropped into the actual final level, um, there's no music at all. and You're just falling in silence for like five screens. And then you're just in a cavern with no music. And again, this is Mega Man 2, which is a game... That's like about music and the only sound is some dripping things that technically can hurt you, but you're probably not going to get hit by them. And it's just this like silent cave that you stroll through on the way to the actual final boss. That was not like anything in that game up to that point. And uh, I, I still think of that one fondly.
0: I totally got hit by those dumb drops.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to. Owned. Yeah, well, I guess you're not. I think maybe it's supposed, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just really good at... Yeah, maybe you're games. just too good at Mega Man. Yeah, that's yeah. probably mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah.
0: Maybe Mega Man needs to be a little more difficult for you, Frank. <laughs> 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 what other ones we got? People were talking about the Final Fantasy XI, the menu screens where you're waiting for your party to get together or whatever. Um, and Fantasy Star must have had some good ones that I'm currently not remembering. But I feel like there's some good like waiting room style... Spaces when you're waiting to, to for an online game to start, but I, I, I can't put my finger on a real good one.
3: Maybe loading screens in general. I know they're they're like video game specific liminal spaces, but I'm thinking about near the, the original near where you are in a loading screen and you read the journal entries from your sister and or daughter, depending on which version you play. They kind of repeat more often than I would like, but I I like reading that progression. They are cute,
1: yeah. I
0: just want to point out that it's not and or, because that would be very unfortunate.
1: Yeah, it's not and, it's or, not You you wouldn't want the sister and
3: daughter. (laughs) I (laughs) get you right. (laughs) It'd be a rough situation. (laughs) Your own grandfather.
1: (laughs) Those games have done Stranger Things. Yeah, I saw that show. (laughs) Great. Here's our next question. Has talking to the developer of a game ever changed your opinion of that game after playing it yourself?
0: Mm. Yes. Talking to Naoto Oshima about Sonic C D. He was talking about how the transitions between future and present and past. There's like that sparkly background and it goes dude, dude, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So that you were supposed to run straight from the past into the present into the future. Like there wasn't supposed to be a loading screen. It was as you ran and and got all fast and twinkly, uh, it was supposed to change into the future or the past, directly.
3: Loading screen where he's shooting up in the air wasn't supposed to be there.
0: Right. And he was like, if Yuji Naka were, had been on the team, we could have done it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. I guess that, that made me think feel differently about how that game was supposed to be paced versus how it actually was. And then it made me think outside of the game about how a t- the, the makeup of a team affects the game that you can have mm-hmm. and what kind of a game results. Like, you've got your vision, but if you can't get the people that can execute your vision, then that game doesn't exist. And so like the game that existed in Now to Oshima's Head is not the game that we played. And it made me, it, it almost made me like Sonic CD more just because I I wound up feeling like I had this personal connection to it after knowing.
2: I mean, I don't like Sonic CD, but I think I like it a yeah. little more now because like I, I the pacing is bad in that game. But uh, yeah. maybe if it played the way that uh, was intended by design, I might enjoy it, but I don't at all.
3: I forgive all sins for Sonic CD because the soundtrack's amazing. I like both
2: of them.
0: I made a thread on the instant credit forums called games for which there are two soundtracks and both of them are good. And uh, Sonic CD was my first example.
2: Are there others?
0: Yeah, there there are plenty more. Sega did it a lot. Um, Like Shinobi X slash Shinobi Legions. In Europe, they had Richard Jakes do a new soundtrack for it. Um, Mm. Only in Europe on the Saturn and he tried to make it sound more like a Yuzo Koshiro soundtrack, which is funny. Wow.
2: Okay. Yeah. There's a bunch more. Rygar on the NES and Famicom, I just realized, have different soundtracks and I don't know why.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. It's, it's so superfluous that only Sega <laughs> would, would really do it in large scale, I feel. We were talking about games that you played or you talked to a developer and it changed your mind about them. Mm-hmm. Um, Gears of War is another one for me. Really? I played it a little bit before it came out. And then I talked to Cliffy B about it and the way that he was talking about liking Resident Evil 4 so much and that's where they got the older over the shoulder camera from and uh wanted you to be able to find things Zelda style and just in a way Gears of War was a video game fan fiction because it had all his favorite things from Resident Evil from Zelda from uh Unreal which I guess is a self fan fiction and um playing it after knowing the the kinds of thoughts that went into it, I had a much greater appreciation for it because previously I had viewed it as like the big bro game, which it still was, but there was a lot more nuance
1: behind it than I had It's got big bro aesthetics, but it's built on interesting design.
0: Yeah. And there's big bros in it, that's for sure.
1: I used to enjoy some of the works of
2: uh, Jason Rohrer and Jonathan Blow until I saw them talk more on the internet. That's
1: right. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) I don't know. That's a whole other conversation.
3: The game that I would say that changed for me after talking to developers was actually Hades. I had the opportunity to talk to Greg Kasavin from Mm -hmm. Supergiant. And one of the things that I thought was so cool about Hades was the fact that, you know, it's Hades, right? It's a a roguelike that's like based in like Greek mythology, but you have all these gods and they all look totally different than what you think Greek gods should look like. There are black women and there are South Asian men and then there are East Asian men, you know, that kind of stuff. And I talked to Greg Casavin about it and I'm like, so what went into this? And the the answer he gave me was so simple. Like I had never thought of it before. It is like Greek gods are the gods, not because they live in like this, you know, localized area that we call Greece. Like they are gods. They rule everything. So why shouldn't they look like, any kind of person that you could take from any part of the world and i thought that was like it's such a simple thought like oh yeah that makes sense when you think yeah. about it a little bit harder They weren't
1: intended to be the gods of greece
3: yes they were intended to be the gods of everything right yeah. so it makes sense that they would look like any other person that you could find sure. in the world and i thought that was just like so freaking revolutionary because you have these people that you know get loud and wrong whenever somebody's like well aren't you have brown people in your fantasy world or whatever it was like historical accuracy
1: (laughs) and like
3: just look like the simple idea is like no these aren't he doesn't look like
1: the real zeus
3: yeah these aren't greek gods these are just gods so they have to obviously look like any kind of person that they could come to be prayed to by so i thought that was like it just increased my love of an already incredible game just even more
2: perfect time all right wait
0: i i want i want to share a, a weird little one for a second if that's okay which is gdc 2004 i met a guy that worked at polygon magic the game developer from japan and i was like oh wow you worked at polygon magic that's really cool i like the game slap happy rhythm busters Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and he's like what is that (laughs) i was like it's a game that you guys made i'm pretty sure he's like i don't think so uh (laughs) is it really old i was like no it came out two years ago (laughs) And he's like, that doesn't sound right to me. (laughs) Like, okay. Uh, So then when I played it, played that game again, uh, in order to be like, they really did work on this, right? I mean, we didn't have all the resources for me to just look it up on the Internet at that time. It totally is a game that they made in 2002. And I talked to him two years later and he was like, I don't I don't know what that
1: is. (laughs) I don't know her. I've never heard of her. What is the Miles Davis kind of blue of video games? Miles Davis
3: kind of blue.
0: so it's a seminal album and it's uh i guess it's hard to call it career defining because miles davis is kind of always
2: Miles davis but right right and it's not like i don't know if we'd call it influential either would we
3: i think we would a, a thing that you would hold up like If you wanted to show a non-video game person the capabilities of video games, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a good way to do it because it's like, oh, you don't know about jazz, here's jazz. Right, right. It's the intro to
1: jazz album. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: Tetris?
1: I don't know, because Mm -hmm. then you're defining all games as jazz, whereas I think in this analogy, yeah, that is jazz is still a genre. Okay. Um, Super
3: Mario Galaxy.
1: Galaxy. Really?
0: Why? (laughs) Explain yourself.
3: I like Galaxy a lot. I think oh, it okay. does, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I think it does like transcendent things with its music and its platforming and its structure, such that people who don't do video games could get it. But that's like only for platformers. I, I'm trying to think of something that would do like story or other kinds of games. I don't want to say Spec Ops the Line.
0: Oh yeah, Spec Ops is something. But I, I was thinking about like uh, Wii Sports that gets grandma to understand what a video game is. I don't know if that's the right direction to go. But it's
2: also that's all video games again.
1: When you say Galaxy, you're just using that as shorthand for Galaxy 2, right? No. That's what ah, say. Please say psych. No.
3: <laughs> why, why do you not like Super Mario Galaxy? Oh,
1: man. <laughs> it's just a real baby toy of a Mario game. It, it, it doesn't toy. feel right when I play it.
3: No, I the think. The physics no. are all off. No. I think that's one of those things that you could show that people get it. I think Animal Crossing New Horizons is also one of those things that make non-video game people get it. Mm. I talked about it once for NPR and my mom listened to the segment and she's never been like into me like writing about video games or anything like that that's just like never like something she just does not understand but then she listened to me talk about animal crossing and all like the cool things that you can do in that and then she it finally clicked for her and like oh i see and like she wants to play animal crossing now like this is my mother who barely does the internet and she wants to play animal crossing because of how i spoke about it so i think animal crossing New Horizons is also one of those games that just makes like non-games. Like you know, the- Jaffe. I think
0: part of the part of the issue here is that you said yeah. the kind of blue of video games, when really yeah. it should be like, what's the kind of blue of fighting games or like we'd have to choose a genre. It's
3: very different from movies. Yeah, this yeah. is a
1: two-step thing. First you have to d- figure out what the jazz is a video game. Okay, jazz first. Then you have to figure out what the kind of blue is of that jazz. Okay, oh, jazz. God.
2: So it's something that's like obtuse and you couldn't get a new person into it easily, but like once people are into it they can't get out of it. I'm That'd I'm actually fighting thinking games. fighting games. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, and there's room for
0: self-expression within the structure of it. But I'm not as I mean, that's, that's annoyed by fighting game fans as Animal
3: Crossing if you're talking okay. about self-expression. But I don't I as the person who listens to jazz regularly, I don't think of jazz as obtuse. Thank you very much.
0: Well, <laughs> I th- <laughs> yeah, I think that people who just generally listen to music would think that jazz is an acquired taste and it's like all freeform beep boop bop.
3: Kanada or Take Five, or sure. God. No, no okay. yeah, yeah, I think anybody could listen to Take Five and get it.
0: Yes, but I mean, common perception. I don't think it, you know, j- jazz is certainly a niche. It's not uh, ubiquitous.
3: Yes.
2: I also think my perception of people who are super into jazz is that they think that that's the final form of
1: music.
3: Okay, fine. You can have that one too. <laughs> it's not true, <laughs> but you can have it.
1: <laughs> But that also describes people who are into fighting games. That's yeah, like the final yeah. form of video games.
0: I think I want to go with fighting games as the jazz. So of... it's
1: the kind of blue of fighting games. So then I guess it's Marvel versus Capcom too.
0: Kind of blue of fighting of fighting games is like I don't know Street Fighter Four maybe. Four?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Galaxy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Marvel versus Capcom too. I mean, you I think... just
1: said that because it literally has a jazz soundtrack. <laughs>
0: So you think Marvel vs. Capcom 2 would get more people into it than Street Fighter 4? I think Street Fighter 4, you can look at and understand what's going on. It's like there's two characters. They're punching each other. They're kicking each other. And oh, look, they're standing a little further apart from each other. And they're figuring something out. Whereas Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is like, that's a hundred hit combo. And uh, there's five life bars and like uh, all these combo things. I think Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is a bit too deep to be the...
3: I don't think it's Street Fighter 4, then in this particular allegory that we have established, I wouldn't choose either of those games. I would probably choose Mortal Kombat 3.
0: Hmm. Why 3?
3: Because I think 3 is better than 2 and a hell of a lot better than 4. Yeah. Maybe Mortal Kombat eh? the, the most recent one from like a couple of years ago. Uh, Not of, Mortal Kombat of the 11. classic
1: Mortal Kombat sleepover games, 3 is the one to play.
3: Yes, that is absolutely correct. Yeah, I
2: think that I... We, we better move on, right?
1: Like we, <laughs> yeah, uh, we
2: have we have seven minutes. If That's I'm not true. Mistaken. We have a very yeah.
1: short lightning round. Okay, but okay. the stakes have never been higher. Okay, okay. All you have to do is work together to name twenty six video game characters, each starting with a different letter of the alphabet in order from A to Z. If oh, a okay. character has a first and last name, then they're counted by the first letter of their last name, phone book oh, style. Dang it i will okay. not allow creature names unless there is only one of that creature you have exactly three minutes to accomplish this if God. you succeed no one on the panel has to do any homework for the next show but if you <laughs> fail all three of you have to write a question for next week's show
0: three minutes are Damn. you ready so i can't do ash ketchum for uh that would be a k that's a k yeah. yeah darn it
1: all right that's too hard this is hard begins with a starting now Era the acrobat okay bubsy okay catwoman catwoman's a comic book character
2: she's she has her own game on Game Boy. no nope, ca- comic
1: book original we got to go with the video you, game didn't, say you the didn't say that you right, better pause the timer you better pause the timer e <laughs> uh somebody we can't do licensed characters <laughs> um you uh, uh, not anymore
2: mm, um i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah same sorry this is too
0: hard i can't
3: think of e
2: who's
0: who's an e Oh, Ed. Miles Edgeworth. Yes. Yeah, there you go. F. Okay, Edge from uh, Pensary and Saga. Is what I was say. Okay, F is um, Frank.
3: <laughs> Frank from um, uh, Dead Space. or De- De- not, not Dead, Dead Space. Ri- uh, Dead yeah, Rising. yeah,
0: Dead Rising. But they had they, oh, they have last names. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, Flink. Flink is a character from Sega CD game. Okay.
3: Faust. Faust, yeah.
0: I'll allow it. G.
3: Gordon Freeman. Oh, no, fuck. Th- that's an F.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh... Golden
3: <laughs> The G-Man the
0: main,
2: Oh Golden Eye is G-Man I will allow G-Man, oh, G-man. H G-man, yeah. okay. H uh Perk um, Perk
1: bl- Yeah Herk. Yeah okay I Inuyasha um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Was there an Inuyasha I, uh, all I all
0: mean J- not not originally for games but yeah.
1: <laughs> Okay whatever, stop talking J. J mm.
2: um Jaja Maru-kun. Yeah <laughs>
1: That's yeah. The K- guy.
3: K.
2: Yes. uh I believe Kangaroo um, is the name of the kangaroo in the game Kangaroo Kangaroo also, Okay
3: Khan. from Tekken
2: Yes, Uh, L. Uh, I believe Ladybug is the name of the ladybug in the game Ladybug. Okay, M. Mass Effect.
1: (laughs) Not a character. Captain Mass Effect. Um, Misty. Uh, I'll allow Misty. I also would have accepted Mario. N. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: N.
2: Miles Nedgeworth. (laughs) (laughs) Nitro. There's a character called Nitro in something. Uh, (laughs) do Uh-oh. oh um
1: Is Onimusha a character? <laughs> Onimusha.
3: <laughs>
1: yes. it is. Arch Rifle of Inuyasha. Onimusha. <laughs> uh yeah.
3: P. uh P. Perry Mason.
1: No, that's an M. <laughs> that's an M.
2: Though so he did have a DOS game. Uh, Princess Peach. Okay, Q. Hubert. Hubert, yeah.
3: Okay, the- Huber. Huber. Huber, yeah. <laughs> R. Ridge Racer.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I was looking for Rayman for R. Oh, Rayman. <laughs> S. <laughs> no, we're out of time i'm afraid no, oh we're not. dang it oh yeah uh you made it more than halfway congratulations y'all still have to do homework for next week's show i expect that on my desk by next thursday uh before we go ash thank you so much for joining us i know you've got uh hard out before you leave is there anything you would like to plug or recommend
3: if you like hearing my voice i don't know why you would but uh you can hear it because it's every lovely week. Oh, you can hear it every week on the Kotaku split screen podcast, which is wherever your podcasts are sold. Hopefully they're not charging you because that means we're not getting revenue that we should. Um, And you can also find me on Twitter at Ad Astra. That's 80 A-S-H-T-R-A.
1: Thank you. We will have you back on the show soon. Uh, Brandon and Frank, you got anything you want to say?
3: I got the
0: um, Fourth Dimension album by the band Dimension. That's a jazz fusion band. We were just talking about the jazzes. Yeah, if you like jazz, Japanese jazz fusion. Dimension is a pretty famous band. Probably everybody knows them, but Fourth Dimension is a good album. It really sounds like a, uh, sounds like you're in PlayStation 1 era Ridge Racer menus. It's great. It's very nice. I'm going to recommend a hot sauce, Melinda's Hot Sauce. Um, Any of their hot sauces are good, but they got like a Jalokia. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but Jalokia, ghost pepper related hot sauce. It's not too hot. A lot of flavor, really good stuff. So give that one a try. Then I'd also like to mention that the Insert Credit Art Jam Oh, that's for this really week, good on the forums is uh, the topic is cheating. That is what the 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 topic will be by the time you are listening to this and you can do sketches or poems or uh, are uh, like, I don't know. Someone made a Pico eight game. I think I mentioned that before. Do do whatever the heck you want for the insert credit art jam. There you go.
2: That's all my stuff. I got a hot sauce, too. It's right here on my Ooh. desk. I really like it. Uh, Shaquanda's hot pepper sauce. Um, I've liked all the Shaquanda's um but the regular hot pepper sauce um i appreciate cuz it it's it, it, i finally found something that i feel like i could put on anything uh, you know just a general all purpose sauce that's always tasty um and the website according to the label is com. so nice i'll yeah. try that yeah right. i think
1: you should um i have a quick recommendation uh, i've been watching some old silent movies I watched uh, the 1927 Lon Chaney film, The Unknown, recently, where he plays a carnival knife thrower with a dark secret. Nice. It's like 50 minutes long. It's public domain. You can find it. It's really, really good. Great way to spend an hour. But no no sound? Uh, there's a lot of great soundtracks that like people made after the fact. You can probably find a good one. Hmm. I'll look for one with jazz. (laughs) Yeah, that's a reasonable compromise. I would also recommend that if you're listening to iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any platform where you can subscribe to or review podcasts, that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards. You can go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own questions, get access to episodes one day early, and even access to regular bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You can also join us on forums.insertcredit.com, as Brandon just mentioned, and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at insertcredit, Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Brandon is at Necrosofti, and Ash is at Ad Astra. This show is produced by Esper Quinn, with music by Kurt Feldman. One more time, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved.
0: I don't know if you guys noticed the last time that last episode I went after Frank, even though Tim was back because yeah. I, I forgot that was. Weird. Yeah, that was fine. I forgot the order because of that. Uh, the,
1: it was the... a pretty wild episode. We were all kind of stunned in the last half, I think.